Do you worry that your children spend too much time on their tablets and not enough time outside? Are you unsure how to find balance between exposing your children to modern technology and YouTube unboxing videos? We will tell you how on this episode of Happily Unmarried. Hi, my name is Danielle. And my name is Daniel. And you're listening to the Happily Unmarried podcast, a podcast about adulting and living your best life. In this episode, we will talk about how to leverage today's technology to prepare your children for the real world and provide tips on how to balance screen time with everyday life. Children growing up today are exposed to all kinds of different technologies. For example, televisions, tablets, smartphones, PCs, or console games. Right. The exposure is everywhere. So I think as parents, we find that it's hard to find a balance. You can't control all of the screen time your children have, right? They go to their grandparents' house, they spend time with their friends. But, you know, I think one of the things that we talk about a lot is, you know, what can we do in the home to ensure that our children are being exposed to modern technology while not overdoing it? Maybe we should start with looking at some of the challenges that modern technologies pose for children, both actual challenges as well as kind of perceived challenges. Right. I mean, there's a whole community of people, I think, that that like to stir up this idea of, you know, fear and and what exposing their children to technology can do. Uh, so I, let's kind of cover what, what a few of these are. Maybe we'll start with outlining some of these challenges that modern technology poses to children. And then later we can go over how we specifically address those challenges with tools and processes that we've implemented at home. Yeah. Uh, So I think one of the first challenges that we hear about a lot is, you know, screen time keeps kids sedentary. They're not getting up and moving around. Yeah, that's a big problem. Then another thing is just like the amount of time they end up spending on their screens. Obviously, sitting on the screen may cause all these other problems, but a lot of times the screen pulls them in and they spend way too much time on it. Right. Um, There's also this idea that screens get in the way of actual learning, whether you believe that or not. You're not reading any books in that time or learning something about the world. In addition, there's this perception that screens or technology can isolate kids from family and their peers. If you're staring at a screen, you're not going to talk to your parents or to your sister. You're not going to interact with your classmates. Sure. And I think related to that one we mentioned earlier about getting in the way of actual learning, there's this idea that uh, screens actually can stunt our children creatively Hmm. because they're just passively consuming media. Right. And then from the parents' perspective, when kids are reading a book or maybe even watching a TV show, it's very easy for us to kind of like monitor what they are doing and what they're consuming and what kind of media. Whereas on a lot of these modern devices, it's really hard to keep an oversight on what are the games that they're playing, what are the websites that they're browsing to, what is the YouTube video that they're watching. And related to that is this whole stranger danger on the internet. And I mean, this has been going on since we were kids. You know, who are your children talking to online? Yeah. And then there's the possibility of too much screen time causing physical effects on your children. I remember there was this article just a couple of weeks ago that talked about children growing horns from watching, from using tablets too much. 
Um, Maybe not horns, but... Well, it was a very sensational article, but the, the, the headline was literally that children are growing horns. There's apparently a muscle that attaches like to the back of your head. And when you're lowering your head all the time and looking down, then that bone can like start growing, which will look like a horn a little bit. In- That's terrible. <laughs> but I mean, we all know what it feels like when we're staring at our screens for too long and what that does to our neck and our eyes and, and our shoulders. I can just imagine what it does to our children. And the other thing is, it's not just the physical effects, it's the developmental effects that um, too much screen time can play into, specifically around communication skills and problem-solving skills and being able to interact with other children socially and, and specifically around children who are, are very young. Yeah, I think this is at least a good overview of some of the key problems or issues that people may face when dealing with children and modern technology. Maybe next, let's look at how we generally think about children and modern technology, like what our kind of general approach to this is. Sure. I mean, as a couple, we believe that exposure to modern technology is in the best interest of our children. Technology is not slowing down. If anything, it's, it's only getting faster. And we don't want to put our children at a disadvantage by completely cutting them off from the latest ways to you know interact with the world. Yeah, it's like if somebody 100 years ago did not allow their children to read novels because like they perceived them to have like all these negative effects. Well, I mean, on, there, there so, were people like that. Well, that's, well, that's <laughs> what I mean. It's, it's <laughs> the novelty of the technology makes people skeptical when in reality, the ability to proper engage with this technology and use this technology is critical uh, for their success in later life. And the other thing for us is, you know, as a family, we are very tech forward. You know, we both work in the tech industry. It's literally our job to help people have better experiences using the products that we serve. Yeah. And then our house in general is very smart. Like we have sensors everywhere and voice assistants across the house that we that we use. So if we didn't allow our children to use modern technology, we would be quite the hypocrites. Right. And especially since we use screens on a daily basis. I mean, not just in our personal life, but for our job. So it's kind of like telling your kid that they can't have a small slice of cake, but you're going to go in the kitchen and eat a whole cake to yourself, which I may or may not have done. <laughs> <laughs> at one time or another. Visit happilyunmarried.media slash support to learn how you can support our podcast. And then we generally have a strong interest in technology and how technology develops and what the latest recent trend the latest trends are, etc. Yeah. Now, all this being said, we don't take our children's screen time lightly. We've put into place a series of rules and tools meant to help us manage screen time in a way that our children can make the most of it. Right. So why don't we take some time to go over the tools that we currently use and have used in the past to help manage our children's screen time. And one point actually that I do want to mention is that, you know, our children are, we have one child under a year old and we have one child that is six years old. So we're speaking specifically to young children, come back to us in 10 years and we'll tell you what we've learned about teenagers because I'm definitely not looking forward to that. Uh, so just a PSA that uh, we're, we're only talking about the young kids right now. Right. So there's a whole range of different kid-friendly versions of apps that you can use to help manage screen time and as well as the, the content that your child consumes on devices. So for example, we are using YouTube Kids, which is a kind of kid-friendly app with kid-friendly content specifically curated and selected for children. 
So the one thing too, though, about YouTube kids is that it is content for children, but that's also going to include the type of content that is marketing at your children. Specifically, I think we're all very familiar with the unboxing videos. We are not fans of unboxing videos. That is not content that we want our daughter to consume. There's a reason we don't have cable with commercials. So I think one of the things that we like best about YouTube kids is that you actually can selectively whitelist specific content that you approve of, which means we pay pick the channels that she, she has access to and she can only watch those channels on her YouTube. So another tool that we use, um, albeit our daughter is still a little young, I think, to use it successfully is Messenger Kids. So this is Facebook Messenger. But again, as parents, it allows you to have a certain set of restrictions. So one thing that it allows you to do or that it does is it restricts your child from being able to communicate with anyone. So if they want to connect with somebody on Messenger Kids, you have to whitelist that specific person. So that person has to be a friend of yours and you need to explicitly allow the kid to communicate with that person. So for example, you can whitelist the grandparents and maybe one friend from school and the kid will be able to send messages and photos and videos and whatnot that they record with their device to those people, but they won't be able to communicate with like the the creepy neighbor or something like that. Right. And this works really well for us because, you know, Daniel's family is in Europe. So this allow it will allow our daughter to, you know, send photos and chats to her grandparents and her cousin. And uh, so while it might seem for some people, I think, well, why does a six-year-old need access to Messenger? Well, that's the beauty of technology is that you can allow your child to maintain contact on their own without you having to help them with family who might be all over the place. Another tool that we've used for quite a while is Samsung Kids. Samsung Kids is like is a kid-friendly application launcher, basically. So what that means is when you boot up your tablet, instead of seeing your normal home screen, what you see is this kid-friendly UI that does two things. For one, it has curated content, games, shows, stories, um, music, videos, that kind of stuff, specifically for kids, for small kids. And it restricts the kid from using any other features of the tablet than those that you have explicitly whitelisted. So it essentially locks them into the app. They can't exit out of Samsung Kids without your password. So this, again, is a way to keep children, you know, off of YouTube or off of the internet, um, places that you don't want them to be exploring, but still giving them the freedom of accessing content. Right. You, you can whitelist specific apps uh, if you want to. So, for example, if you want your child to be able to use Spotify to listen to music, you can whitelist the Spotify app. And so they get access through the Samsung Kids environment to the Spotify app. In addition to restricting access to applications, what this does is it tracks usage of apps. So you can actually look at how much time your kid has spent on various different apps, as well as enforcing a time limit, um, a daily time limit for the tablet use. So you could configure it to say the kid can only use the tablet for an hour or two hours per day or whatever, and the application then will shut down once that limit has was reached. Right. There's one noteworthy drawback. To be able to use Samsung Kids, you have to subscribe to a service which costs, I think, $40, $40 a, year. a year. Yeah. Um, and it's a little buggy, so it doesn't always work. There's been times where we've our daughters managed to 
get herself out of the application somehow without our help. But other than that, I think as a as a first time tablet for young children, I think it's it's pretty good. Yeah, and a lot of tablets that you specifically buy as a kids tablet actually come with this app pre installed. So more recently, though, we've kind of moved away from the Samsung Kids app over to Google Family Link. So Google Family Link is an Android built-in system for tracking and managing children accounts on Android devices specifically. And it does require the Android version of 7 or higher in order to use. And noteworthy here is a lot of the cheaper Android devices specifically for children come with older versions of Android. So if you want to use Google Family Link, you need to make sure that you buy a more recent tablet with a more recent version of Android. Similar to Samsung uh, in that you have the ability to set and enforce daily time limits. But what's nice about it is you can actually have varying limits depending on the day. So for example, during the week, our daughter can spend one hour a day on her tablet, but we give her more time on the weekend. So I think we were like three hours over the weekend. And then we have no screen Monday, which we'll talk about a little bit later, where she cannot use any devices. And so this is enforced in the system as well. So she can't use the tablet at all on Mondays. In addition, it basically has all the features that Samsung Kids has as well, meaning you can restrict access to apps, you can uh, track um, how much time she spends on the various apps. But there's some key differentiators between it. So one is that you actually can not only just set a daily time limit, you can choose the hour the range of hours in which the tablet can be in use. So for example, our daughter cannot use the tablet before 7am and then it shuts off at eight when it's time to go to bed. So So even if she has time left, she has time left, it gets shut off. And then the other thing is that, you know, while the Samsung kids app keeps them inside the environment, Google family link allows her to utilize her tablet as is, but it sets some restrictions specifically around her being able to download apps. So if she does go into the Google play store and attempts to download an app, we are notified. Uh, and then we have to approve the app before it can be downloaded. Right. And that is true for both free as well as for paid applications. Correct. And then the last thing, which I think we like most about it is that we can manage this all from our phone. Right, so there's a companion app that exists for both Android as well as iOS that allows you to manage the Google Family Link device remotely. So you can approve applications for installation or you can change the time limits. You can grant additional time on the de- on the device. Granting the additional time is a little different. I actually like it because while the Samsung Kids app, you have your four-digit code, which if your kid's paying attention, they could probably see it and figure out what you're putting in. Google Family Link has a like an authenticator generator that goes and changes regularly. So you have to go into the app to get the current code, and then that goes into the tablet. And it also allows you to... Basically, all the features that we just outlined, they are available from within that that app. Whereas with Samsung Family Link, you actually need to physically grab, take the tablet, the kid's tablet, put in your parental code, and then you can navigate the menus and information on that kid's tablet, which is a little bit inconvenient. So if you can do it on your own phone, it's significantly better. And so then if you're an iOS user and or have too much money and want to buy an, an iPad for your six-year-old. Congratulations. <laughs> iOS has a similar feature to Google Family Link as iOS parental controls. 
I believe there. So we've not used those because our child has an Android tablet, not an iOS tablet. But I believe there's a similar set of functionality. It's, I think, a little bit less sophisticated, but basically all the similar features are there. Approval of app downloads, setting time limits, etc. Follow us on social media to get a peek behind the scenes. We are at Unmarried Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay, so we, we've talked about the tools that we use, uh, but that's only one part of this, right? The other half is, is content, right? So we put a lot of tools into place to help us manage how much time and what our children have access to, but you also still have to address the actual content that your children are consuming. Yeah. So let's start with television, the, the classic media consumption device. So... We don't have cable. We we don't have cable. All of the shows, whatever, are either coming from YouTube or from streaming services like Netflix. But we do have a specific set of content that we like to expose our children to um, when we're talking about watching TV. We we allow our little one, the nine month old, nine month old, occasionally to watch some TV. Um, he has his little. What do you call that thing? I don't know. A little jumping a walker chair. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you sit him in there. He st- he can stand in it and he can walk around in it, even though he cannot actually walk yet. So you you can sit him in there and he, like he'll happily watch for thirty minutes or something a TV show. Specifically, we like to um, play Baby Einstein's for him, which is uh, classical music with pictures and children and activities that are brightly colored and interesting to small children. Yeah, it's specifically designed for babies and toddlers. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we like to play to him, um, I don't know if we ever mentioned this before, but we are raising our children bilingually. And so there is a show on Amazon Prime Video. We like to call it just the Panda Show. Um, I think it's technically called Little Pimps. It's basically a language show, so they will... They will show objects and things and people interacting with each other and then speak in German, in this case, what they are doing or what this, what they can see. Right. So we'll put that on for him just as, you know, additional. One, again, it's it's fun for him to look at. There's children on the screen. There's music, but uh, just more attempt at exposing him to, to German. Right. And in case you're interested, they do have these for other languages right. as well, not just German. The other thing that we, you know, recently have started putting on, uh, I think mainly because our daughter was a big fan of it, is Daniel Tiger, which ties into just the PBS catalog in general. Uh, so we actually purchased the PBS subscription through Amazon because uh, the PBS shows are grounded in education, right? You know, they have a spelling show. They have a show that talks about history. They have a show that talks about wild animals. And these are cartoons geared towards children. So, you know, if, again, if if our children are going to watch television, these are the types of shows that we are encouraging uh, them to watch. And then you can't get around it. Then there's also some Netflix that especially our older daughter watches. And she has this weird affinity. It's cute. (laughs) this weird affinity for cooking shows she loves to watch so cooking shows all these competitive cooking shows like chopped or whatnot like she loves yeah, them she baking them. shows right. yeah she she's a big fan of watching people cook yet yeah, i can't get her to eat half the things i make <laughs> um you know and, and it has other things 
like, you know, our planet was a series that we sat down and watched together. We watched an episode every night and kind of talked through what was happening. And, you know, walruses. oh, my God, that was the worst. <laughs> she was so upset. I was upset. That was horrifying. I was not prepared for the walruses. You should go and watch it. If <laughs> yeah, you if you haven't seen it, be prepared. Bring bring tissue. Bring lots of <laughs> tissue. Um, but again, it opened up a dialogue. And, and to be fair, like, we're not perfect, right? She's going to watch shows and sometimes we let her watch shows that aren't ones that we are particularly fans of. But whenever we can, uh, we are enforcing her to watch, you know, more education best based television. Yeah. Let's move on to some more modern media uh, away from TV, more to stuff from the internet. <laughs> so specifically for YouTube. Uh, she watches YouTube. She likes watching YouTube. She has a specific selection of content that we try to gear towards her um, and her interests, while also trying to address some of the potential shortcomings of sitting in front of a screen too much. So specifically, there's a there's a whole like YouTube is full of science and education channels, um, both for grown-ups, uh, and I personally like to watch a lot of those, but also for specifically for children. Um, and so in the set of content that she is allowed to consume, there's a bunch of those. So for example, there's a channel called Hi Ho Kids, which is mostly children interacting. I mean, there's a lot, there's a few different types of videos that are in Hi Ho Kids. You know, there's ones that she enjoys where it's kids, you know, being adventurous and trying different foods from different countries. And they have a whole series around that. But then they also have this really interesting series where they have children sit down with somebody who has like a, there's something very specific. It kind of reminds me of like a Reddit AMA where like they'll sit down with a refugee or a bodybuilder or someone who's transgender and children just ask questions. And it this series specifically, I really like because unless she comes across these things in her real life, and that would then be the opportunity to talk about these things, she's being exposed to them through her media. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really interest, interesting part of Hi-Ho on top of just kind of the fun, you know, kids doing science experiments and, and eating weird stuff. Yeah. Another channel that is great, I think, is SciShow Kids. So I, I love to watch the grown-up versions of that. Um, but they have a sp channel specifically tailored towards kids, kid-friendly content put together in a way that is under, like easily understandable for kids. They address, I would say, classic science topics and to to degree, but kind of in a way that children can understand them. And find interesting. Yeah. Um, another set of channels that we you know, allow her to have access to on YouTube. And I think this kind of addresses one of the concerns of children, you know, you, having too much screen time. Uh, it's that kind of sedentary, just sitting around, not doing anything. So one of the first ways she interacted with YouTube was via yoga for kids. So specifically, there's a channel called Cosmic Kids Yoga. And it started when I brought her to a yoga class with me um, randomly once, and she really enjoyed it, and she wanted to continue doing it. And I man I came across this channel that is yoga geared at children, uh, and she loved it. And so, you know, she'll randomly decide that she wants to do yoga, and she'll get out of her mat and sit in front of the, the – she'll cast, you know, to the TV, and she'll, she'll do yoga. Um, she also really likes to dance. She loves to dance. So we'll get her uh, – give her access to the, you know, the just dance videos where she's you know learning dance routines she really enjoys that as well so those are the kind of things that is great about getting your children active if maybe for some reason or another you can't get outside yeah and then she also loves to sing um 
and and music in general. Uh, so another channel that she watches a lot is Kids Pop. She loves Kids Pop. <laughs> that girl gets some moves from Kids Pop. It's true. <laughs> uh, but yeah, again, she'll put that on. She'll sing along. She'll dance. And then she'll be very confused when she listens to the original song on the radio. It's like... This is different. Yeah, Why there, are the bad words bad in this words song? In this song. <laughs> Did you know that you can listen to our podcast on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, and even on our website? Just search for Happily Unmarried Podcast and don't forget to subscribe. In terms of games, when she plays games on her tablet, we try to give her a selection of games that add value, where she can practice her logical uh, combination reasoning, reasoning and, and combination skills, as well as be creative in, in some way. Obviously, there, she will want to have some games that are a little bit simpler and like less educational, maybe. So we don't completely withdraw her from those. But we try to provide her a selection that she generally approaches. So some examples here are Minecraft, which I think is like one of the best educational games. And frankly, it doesn't even matter how old your kid is. Like there has to be a certain minimum age. Five, six is probably... Yeah, she's six and just now she's actually getting in it and building stuff and not just kind of walking around. Yeah, but like... I occasionally still fire up Minecraft and play it because it's so much fun. It's a little bit like a digital Lego toy, right? Where you can build things and be creative. But also, it's very deep. So you can get into a lot of details in terms of... It implements an entire kind of like logic kit where you can buy build contraptions that automatically process things and execute tasks within the Minecraft world. And so you, you, if you're... If you're like a programmer or interested in this kind of stuff, it's the foundation for programming, like yeah. from a uh, starting for like children. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We also, speaking of programming, recently came across a, a game that we think is pretty neat. Uh, same kind of concept. It's called Scratch Junior, where she. In Scratch Junior, the idea is basically it allows children to create short stories and kind of like clips, kind of like. Um, compose their own little movie or video by having characters, characters and actors and uh, interact with each other and respond to each other and trigger off of each other. And so the neat thing about this is this entire thing you need to basically implement in a semi-programming style environment. It's all visual and all very easy to understand. But you do have to kind of like... Create steps. Create steps. So like let the character move left for five steps and then move up for one step. And then if character A and character B collide, then... One disappears. One, yes. Yeah. It, again, it helps with kind of the, the logic piece. And she seems to really enjoy that game. Yeah. Uh, and she actually... And the other thing was she picked it up really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one day she didn't quite get it. I think she spent a couple minutes with you on it and then the next day she was showing me how she was you know making her characters do all these things so i thought that was really cool and then lastly you know in regards to creativity coloring apps and puzzle apps yeah so we we actually got her a tablet that has like one of these like digital pens, pens uh, with it so she can actually quite naturally color on her tablet and and draw and paint basically on on her tablet uh, which is specifically when we, we travel a lot we're like on the road a lot and that allows her to to do a thing that she really enjoys like even when we're not at home and not don't have paper with us and pencils and whatever so 
you know, music is something that our children really enjoy. It's something that we enjoy. And again, the nice thing about, you know, having access to things like a tablet or, you know, a Google Home is the ability to applications like Spotify, Google Music, iTunes. So specifically with Spotify, we have a a family plan. Yeah, family account, yeah. Uh, So she actually has her own Spotify account, which means that the stuff that she's listening to isn't going to mess up our algorithms. But this allows her to, you know, play the music she likes. We were able to create playlists for her and folders of the stuff that she listens to regularly so she can easily access it. Uh, And that way she can put, you know, whether she's utilizing her tablet or she's cleaning her room, she can, you know, play and listen to whatever music she wants to listen to. And so one last thing that we're currently introducing her to um, is podcasts and like like stories. Maybe if you're our age as a kid, maybe you had cassette tapes that you listened to that mm-hmm. with, with stories or something. This style of content still exists, but it's today it's in the form of podcasts, essentially. Um, so this is another great way how you can provide quality content, educational content to your child, especially if you maybe have some kind of um, speaker voice assistant or something in their room, they can very easily just ask to play a specific podcast or specific story. And it's great for the car too, right? That's, an, that's a piece of media that you can consume with your children. Yeah. So, you know, similarly to how we listen to audiobooks, um, they have these short stories that are perfect for, you know, a car ride. So and then the the last thing, um, in addition to tools and content, is the processes that we apply and enforce. We mentioned a couple of things already, but I think the most important rule that we have is the limited screen time. So during weekdays, we limit her screen time to an hour per day. On her tablet. On her tablet. She can watch uh, some more TV and she generally in the evening watches some TV, but we try to limit that as well to not... And in the evening, it's typically we're watching something with her. Yeah, we'll we'll watch together, yeah. Mostly cooking shows. Mostly cooking shows. The other thing that we've done that actually I think has worked really well is that we have a dedicated no screen day. uh, And that's not just for her, although we have... Again, we, we still have to work sometimes. Um, and we try our best. She will remind us. Which, yes, she will remind us where we essentially nobody uses a screen. So um, we tend to listen to a lot of music on, on Mondays. And, you know, we, she helps with cooking. And it's just a way to kind of detox from, from all of that. And, again, remind her that she can still live her life with, without a screen. Yeah. And in addition to that, we also try to have other days have – dedicated non-screen activities so for example wednesdays we uh, will play board games together which she's it's not that she's not allowed to watch any tv on wednesdays but at least for half an hour hour or whatever time we spend playing board games she'll be removed from the screen and we'll spend time together and, and it's have fun something together. she's excited about yeah too so and and it's just a nice activity that we can all do together and you know also you know on the weekends getting out in the backyard you know whether it's chalk or bikes or just doing something outside without a screen. Yeah, encouraging her to do things that do not involve a screen. Right. The other thing that, or a couple other things that, you know, I think are really important is that we have to educate our children on screen time, on the content that they're they're consuming. And that requires us as parents to sit down and actually talk 
to them about what they're doing. So when our daughter submits a request to download apps, you know, we'll approve them. But then, you know, after a day or two, we'll sit down with her and say, okay, take us through these apps that you've downloaded. What are they? What are you doing? Have you played them? And then we discuss whether or not we think that it's something that she thinks she should be spending her time on. Is that, does she think this is valuable? And then we remove them. Yeah. So having access to all these tools and 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 processes does not relieve you as a parent from doing your due diligence and putting in the time and effort to understand what your children are doing and then the last thing is you know our children are growing up in a technological world depending on how old you are you know you may or may not be able to relate to that but it's important to engage your children in conversations about the things that they're doing what is their favorite game what is their favorite youtube channel ask them questions get them to talk to you about it right these are skills that you know some would say they are losing by spending so much time on screen. So it's our job as parents to engage our children, ask them questions, get them to tell us what they're learning and have those interactions. Right. And if you show interest, you will be surprised how excited a kid Mm -hmm. can talk about Minecraft or whatever other game they're playing and show you all the things that they have built. I think a lot of times the problem when we're talking about modern technologies and video games and whatnot is actually not the children consuming that content, but their parents not understanding what they're doing, what's going on, and not showing any interest in that. So if you show interest and you ask questions, children will, they will blossom and will be super excited and you can feel much more confident that what they're doing is actually valuable for them, for their personal development compared to what you might have thought otherwise. The reality of the situation is our children are growing up in a world full of technology. It's not slowing down. And frankly, by restricting your children from having any access to technology, you are putting them at a disadvantage. They will be behind by the time they get to high school. They will need to utilize technology to to do their assignments, to prepare for college, to have like, sorry, I just get so frustrated. And I think the reason why I get so frustrated about this is, is there's a whole idea that we should be protecting our children from technology. Like you go out and teach your children how to use scissors or or sharp objects like knives responsibly as well. You guide them in using them and learning how to use them instead of not letting them have access to a scissors until they're 18. At the end of the day, it is our responsibility as parents to not take the easy way out. We need to ensure that our children are safe and that they are benefiting from technology. And in order to do that, you can't let screens babysit your children. You have to put in the work. Well said. I think we touched on everything that we wanted to talk about. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a thumbs up, comment, star, or review, and make sure to subscribe. How do you handle children and technology? What rules do you have for screen use? What tools do you use to enforce them? What content do you select for your kids? Let us know in the comments below or on Twitter at Unmarried Media. I am Daniel. And I'm Danielle. And we're we're happily happily unmarried. unmarried. Or a gun. Let's teach our eight-year-old how to shoot a shotgun, but God forbid they spend two hours on YouTube. Right. Well, uh, this escalated quickly. Okay. <laughs>